several announcements. First, parents of school-age children are reminded that enrollment for all 2022-2023 religious and sacrament formation classes uh, for children and youth is today after the 10 a.m. Mass. Uh, please enroll your children for the formation year today. The parish is looking to hire a part-time position on staff to assist with facilities and maintenance. Interested applicants uh, should speak with me. Candidates need to be skilled at being a handyman, sort of a jack-of-all-trades type of person. The Solemnity of the Assumption of Mary uh, tomorrow is not a day of obligation this year. However, uh, it is still the Solemnity of Mary. It seems important to me that we have Mass, and so there will be an 8 a.m. Mass tomorrow on August 15th for the Assumption. Mass will take place here in the main church. Beginning this Wednesday with the start of the St. John Bosco Institute School here at the parish, uh, there will be the addition of daily masses for the school. Uh, those masses are traditional Latin masses. They will take place Monday through Friday here in the main church at 8 a.m. when school is in session. Uh, they are open to the public. Uh, please note that the Friday daily mass in English will start slightly earlier now beginning this Friday. The Friday Daily Mass in English will be at 7.15 a.m. That means on Fridays when school is in session, there will be two morning Masses, the 7.15 a.m. in English and the traditional Latin Mass at 8 a.m. Because of the two Masses there falling on Friday, we need a little more time between each of them for the one to finish before the other one starts. And so that's why the Friday Mass has to move up slightly earlier to 7.15. Be aware that this addition is an addition. That means none of the what I call the regular parish Masses in English are changed. They're still being offered Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays at 5.30 p.m. as our normal schedule and now the Friday morning Mass in English at 7.15. The Gospel presents an image of Jesus that can seem out of place or unlikely. Certainly many people in our day, including many Christians, find today's Gospel image of Jesus incomprehensible. It is the image of Jesus who announces that he has come not for peace, but for division. In modern culture, there is great emphasis on the values of unity and tolerance, though those ideas in the modern mind often lack substance and are used simply to mean that differences and divisions should be overlooked in order to keep everyone together for the sake of keeping together. The idea that the Lord comes to stir things up is often outright dismissed as an impossibility. But then we have the words of today's gospel. In the gospel, the Lord refers to his mission. He notes that he has come to set the earth on fire, and he notes that there is a baptism that he is in great anguish to accomplish. The reference to baptism calls to mind, of course, the image of water. And so we can say that we have the symbols in today's gospel of both water and fire. In the ancient world, and especially familiar to us in the scriptures with the images we find there, water and fire 
are symbols of destruction. We can think of early on in the order of creation, in the book of Genesis, the disorder that sin brought into the world and how God's response in the days of Noah was to send a great flood to destroy things in order to begin anew. Being plunged into or immersed into water, therefore, is a symbol of being overwhelmed and drowned, a symbol of destruction. And fire is also a clear symbol and is especially evocative of judgment and the end of things when Scripture makes reference to the world being consumed and even dissolved by fire. So there is certainly one obvious purpose when the Lord uses symbols of water and fire. He means to communicate that he has come to claim God's sovereignty over his creation. That sovereignty and its demands for fidelity, especially from creatures like us with freedom, means we have a choice to make. We must acknowledge God's rights in primacy over us and all creation. And the gospel lesson tells us that we cannot prefer other things or other relationships to the one he, God, has made with us. The primacy of relationship with God is brought to the fore by that image of division within family. We cannot live rightly with God or truly follow him while also preferring other relationships ahead of him. Rather, the claim of sovereignty by the Lord means a father will be divided against his son, a mother against her daughter, and so forth. We who call ourselves disciples have to weigh carefully the demands and the gift of being in relationship with God, while also noting and taking care so that other relationships are nurtured, but do not become the excuse for disobedience to God. With the very common tendency to want to fit in in modern life, We need to take this gospel to heart because it can be very easy to be swept along with the mentalities of those who adopt a false gospel that makes no demands on us. The desire to fit in and to not be challenged or to not be challenging was a reality seen in the time of the prophet Jeremiah too. We heard about him in the first reading. Jeremiah received the tough mission to speak God's word and to proclaim the infidelity of God's people. He preached that God's judgment would be seen in the event of the destruction of the temple. And for delivering those words, Jeremiah's contemporaries complain that he's making them feel demoralized because they want to hear nice-sounding words. And so they set out to kill him, to silence what they do not want to hear. There is really not much different today when the church or when you and I try to stand for some truth of the faith or some truth of the moral order. One lesson of today's passage is that we cannot dismiss God's sovereignty or his judgment in our lives in the lives of others, and his judgment of the world. Water and fire, images of destruction, call to mind this truth of the gospel about God's judgment. 
And that reality means we must face our own need for conversion and to shake ourselves out of the slumber of preferring other relationships to the one God generously establishes with us. While the gospel images certainly call to mind God's judgment, and that is a lesson we cannot and do not want to dismiss, I also want to suggest another lesson from the images of water and fire. This lesson is not the strange and cryptic sounding message of judgment and of destruction. Rather, I think another application can be made to our mission and responsibility as disciples. The scriptures show that the Lord's suffering and death for us are called his baptism. Rather than water, he is immersed and plunged into the guilt of our sin. He does this on our behalf and out of divine love for us. Having endured his baptism, his cross, the Lord, like Jeremiah, is drawn out from the mud, the mire of our sins and our tendency to want to soften the demands of discipleship. He is baptized, he suffers and dies, yes, but he is drawn out from the place of death in his resurrection. And from his resurrected body in heaven, the Lord sends forth the Holy Spirit who comes in tongues of fire at Pentecost. What if these odd-sounding words from Jesus in today's gospel can also be heard as a reference to that sending of the Holy Spirit? In other words, Jesus endures his baptism and comes to set the earth on fire, he says. And for us, looking back in history on the time when he said those words, we can say he has already done so by sending the fire of the Holy Spirit. And you and I are recipients of that purifying and enveloping fire. What if we hear those cryptic sounding words, I have come to set the earth on fire as an indication of our mission? Through his church, we each have received baptism and later the anointing of confirmation. We are called to understand the primacy of our relationship with God and the share that we have in enveloping the world with the truth of the gospel. How will the world be set aflame if not through us and our zeal, dedication, and excitement to live the faith and to share with others what that means? Jesus' use of fire imagery is really not all that unfamiliar to us, though it hits our ears in kind of a cryptic way. While I certainly mean to avoid inappropriate and negative meanings, there are popular idioms still today by which we speak of fire, lighting something up or being lit. When someone is worked up in a good way or excited, we say they are on fire. And we have the convenient fire emoji to go along with sharing that description in text messages. Yes, the work of being part of the Lord's setting the earth on fire is part of our mission. If we ourselves are on fire, we can't help but light up others. That work will be challenging, to be sure. Our age 
like previous ones, does not want to hear moral or religious demands. Our age does not want to hear words that shake things up and expose the lack of substance in just getting along. We may face opposition like Jeremiah, but judgment will come to us if we do not pass on the fire. And when we find ourselves overwhelmed, plunged in the mire of opposition, or maybe just plunged in our own weakness, the mire of our sin, we cry out with the psalmist, Lord, come to my aid. And we have confidence in the Lord's response, evoking images from the prophet Jeremiah. The Lord heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit of destruction, out of the mud, and he made firm my steps.